Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest guest this week is Amy Lynn Durham. She is createmagicatwork.net. Creating magic in your work is something I'm really excited to talk about. If that's something interesting for you, and maybe you're feeling a little uh, burned out, bored, you're struggling, feeling like a robot or uh, stuck in a cubicle farm, check it out at createmagicatwork.net. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast, check out playfulhumans.com, or share this episode with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Welcome to the podcast. We like to start with the joke of the week. The joke of the week is brought to you by a new credibility captcha for social media. This is something I'm marketing. Uh, you can't post anything on social media until you prove that you know what you're talking about. How's that sound? Uh, credibility captcha. <laughs> um, here's the official joke of the week. Did you hear about the mathematician who's afraid of negative numbers? No. He'll stop at nothing to avoid them. Uh, all right. Uh, there you go. Uh, math jokes, always a killer. Uh, do you have any jokes for us? Yeah, and it's super cheesy, but my grandfather used to say it all the time. And he he would ask if we wanted to hear a dirty joke. And then he would say the white horse fell in the mud. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. A dirty joke for you, um, especially for <laughs> everybody that that likes the cheesy dad jokes and grandpa jokes. Right, exactly. I, I think yeah. they are the best. <laughs> I always think it's funny when guests come on the show and they go, uh, "My joke's really cheesy," and I'm like, um, "Clearly, you haven't heard the other 200 that I've already told because I don't think <laughs> any of them were without cheese." Uh, no, no jokes for the lactose intolerant here. But um, let's start with you and Create Magic at Work. Just tell us about the work that you do and why you found this uh, magic as, as sort of the, the key word for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because sometimes people ask me, oh, do you do magic tricks at like for people at work? And I'm like, <laughs> not exactly. Um, I left my corporate job in 2019 and I sort of embarked on this journey where I wanted to bring heart and human connection back into the workplace. And like you just said before, like who wants to feel like a robot just going to work every day, getting a paycheck, sitting in a cubicle, whatever that looks like. Um, and my final year in my corporate executive position, I really used it. They didn't know it at the time, but I used it to uh, practice these activities that connected everyone together. And they have a little bit of magic in them. And really what they're doing is they're skill building. I don't want to take the play out of the conversation, but really what they're doing is <laughs> they're skill building in emotional intelligence and also in spiritual intelligence, which is a faith neutral system of skills you can apply in the workplace. And the amount of productivity and profitability and employee retention and connection that came from that was something that really inspired me to throw all the activities in a book and 
leave my job and start Create Magic at Work. So I became an executive coach. I became a certified spiritual intelligence coach. I published my book, Create Magic at Work. And I put a bunch of magic in the book. I purposely talk about playful. (laughs) I wanted to bring that childlike, playful Mm -hmm. feeling back to the workplace because that's where you really can get inspired, solve problems, um, finish projects with, with a new creative twist. And this book is, I always say the book is tiny, but it's magical. I purposely picked a book editor from Scholastic. I don't know if you remember that as a kid. Uh, when yeah. you, when we were little kids, the scholastic book fairs you would go to. Um, so there's the secret stuff that built the book. I also, the designer um, did the same book as the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. Oh, so that nice. was my, yeah. So that was my book designer. And then I put illustrations in the book to inspire magic. And the, they're, they're simple illustrations, uh, but they have some deep symbolism behind them. So all of them are... All of that is built for somebody to pick it up, flip through it, get some fun, playful activities for the workplace, and then use it as a jumping off point for their own creativity. And hopefully we bring we see some humanity in each other while we're doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. That's obviously what I'm trying to do with Playful Humans is inspire that sort of uh, childlike curiosity and and playfulness in uh, adults in their life and their their career. And I think uh, I know why it's so powerful and and what the benefits of that are. Uh, What would you say, though, to like a CEO or an owner or a, a manager with a big team? That's saying like arts team doesn't have time to play. We got serious things. We're working on serious projects and I need everybody to be heads down on this major initiative. Um, what would you say as a counter argument to them? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a, a quote in my book that talks about the selectively data-driven executive and how we get caught up in looking at data that we're comfortable with but not looking at the whole picture. And it's because of the systems that we have been put in, in the workplace that make us feel like if we aren't suffering to be successful, we're not doing it the right way to get this outcome. And the interesting part is, if you open your eyes to the full picture of all of the data, it actually shows if you're playful, if you do these activities and spend time on them, you increase your productivity 21%, your profitability 21% over the competition. Um, Employees that have close work friendships, it boosts their satisfaction by 50% in the workplace. So that's just a couple of um, examples for you. And yeah, I mean, I've to, seen a ton of yeah. those too to to build onto it that like even salespeople who are playful sell like thirty seven percent more than those that don't. And I think we underestimate how burnt out people get and how much they slow down when they are disengaged with work. So people that don't mm-hmm. feel that connection, people that don't feel appreciated or treated like a human being, slow down so much that you're actually causing negative impacts. I love the one research, I think it was um, uh, at Microsoft or or something where they found out that if people work more than 60 hours, they slow down so much that they actually produce less than if they had just worked 40 hours and took the rest of the week off. 
and that to me is amazing that you're like, well, you think we think grinding, we get further, but we actually don't. And when we step away, we get creative ideas that speed things up or our energy pumps up. And then we, our performance pumps up and very few people have like, can be highly productive for long periods of time in a row. Just that's not the way human beings are, are built. Right. So good. So good. And it's such a mind flip for those of us that have been in that grind. You almost have to unthread um, your programming and and not be afraid to try what might feel uncomfortable. And how sad is that, that trying to be playful and trying to do something fun and connect with each other? there could be a guilty feeling there. Like, uh, we got to get back to work. Like, what are we doing? We need to like analyze this P and L statement or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but I can tell you, I've been in some grueling, uh, quarterly business reviews. We used to work for a publicly traded company and I had my team go through the same thing. I always made sure we did some sort of fun, magic connecting activity in those meetings. And I do not to this day, remember what numbers were on the board or what we talked about, but I remember who shared what and who connected with who and those people I still hold in my heart today. So, and by the way, we won all the time. Not, not that there's like winning, you know, but like we succeeded in what we needed to accomplish. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I love what you said earlier about restructuring that data because those things are not mutually exclusive. I mean, the, the data shows that the people who have fun are more successful. They, they win more uh, when you enjoy what you're working on, uh, mostly just through resilience. The, that If you're engaged and you're having fun, you show up to do it again. You don't quit. You don't have turnover. You, you don't have people uh, burning out and giving up. They're, they're creative problem solving and continuing to move forward. But I love also what you said earlier. I wanted to circle back to the how part of it, because it is kind of crazy that as adults, we have to rediscover this and we have to set down a lot of like childhood baggage and things to be able to do this. And you talked about very simple exercises that you don't have to go full on like Steve Martin, arrow through the head, crazy, silly <laughs> in your meeting. You just need people to open up, relax a little bit, like, let the shoulders drop and have a laugh. That's a, a lot different than what I think people expect when they hear magic at work or, or playfulness at work, right? Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because I have an activity in my book about around intention setting and goal setting. And I have done this with many different groups of people. And it, it can get really deep with what people share, but it also can be super funny and everyone starts laughing. Um, you know, I had a team member say they wanted to let go of their favorite football team losing that weekend. And I one. have this whole, <laughs> and I have this whole ceremony where we light up, we write it on a piece of paper, we light it on fire and it flies up into the air. That's the magic part. And it goes out to the universe and, you know, in, in that same space, I had something really deep happen with someone where they said they wanted to forgive their parents. And then at the same time, I had this humorous um, thing happen. And so both of those can live there. And they were both connecting and funny. And to your point, I think if you're a leader that's afraid to try these activities because you feel like you're you're 
you don't want to be seen or you're being a little bit too vulnerable. I always say, if everybody starts laughing at you, that's a great first step because that's a stress reliever. And even if they feel uncomfortable or like, why are we doing this stupid kumbaya or, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. I have people that reach out to me years later and they're like, oh my gosh, what you did, you need to keep doing it. This is amazing. I'll never forget it. Um, and, and they were always the ones that were kind of like, uh, okay, my football team lost. I'm going to let go of that or, you know, (laughs) something like that. So, well, I I think that you made a really interesting point there uh, about where I was going that I think people, um, especially leaders when they feel like they're vulnerable or honest, or if they get to know their team too well, that people won't respect them or they won't be taken seriously. And, I have found the opposite to be true, that when you open up, people trust you more. They realize you're human. They don't try and take advantage of you. If you're an a-hole, for lack of a better term, then people are like, well, I might as well take advantage of him because he's trying to take advantage of me. And you create this scarcity mindset where everybody's trying to maximize their own personal return rather than the company's return and being generous with their, their time and energy. And the last thing I would add there, I think, is there are people who are both. And so I try to look at role models. I already mentioned Steve Martin, but um, the Mythbusters uh, or somebody like they can be fun and they can also be really smart and really good at what they do at the same time. That those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can be nice and be a strong leader at the same time. Um, We called that... um, at Sandler, the velvet covered brick. You you can be really soft on the outside, but firm when pushed against and, and still be a strong leader. And I think people miss that. Would, would you agree? Yeah. I, I was just having a conversation the other day with a colleague and you mentioned it earlier in our discussion, um, the discovery, the spirit of discovery and remaining curious, that childlike, um, energy that actually breeds innovation and inspiration. And I think that we, I meant we are in systems sometimes where leaders feel like they have to have all of the answers. And if they don't, it means that they are not a good leader and that is not the case. And so that ties into exactly what you're saying. If you are a leader and you're in charge of others, maintaining curiosity and asking meaningful questions that get other people thinking and help them solve their own problems usually is the best way to go. And it puts you in in a space that you are a go-to as a mentor for support, but it also puts you in a space where you don't have to feel pressure to know all the answers. Uh, I love that. I mean, even when you think about politics or other, you know, leaders, who do you trust? Somebody that thinks they know everything or somebody that is open and honest and says, I don't know, let's figure it out together. Uh, you're going to trust the person who's honest enough to say they don't have, have all the answers, I think, most of the time. Now, I wanted to ask you more about your career and how you got here, because I find these to be interesting stories. So it sounds like you did have a a serious job. Did you ever lose your playfulness? Were you always the person trying to bring magic or was there like a turning point in your career where you're like, I have to do something differently here. And and you kind of rediscovered it. 
Yeah, I, the, there was a turning point. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take my creativity being stifled in the workplace. And it just, and then as I moved up and up and up, it just got lonelier and lonelier. Something had to change. And then around the same time, I had a spiritual awakening where I really, my eyes were really opened up to um, the beauty of what's really around us and practicing extreme gratitude for the things that we do have. And I started playing around with um, manifesting and working with focusing on the law of attraction and different things like that. And so what I would do is I would just take these same activities to my work because I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I'm like, what are they going to do? Like fire me today because I'm asking everyone to share what they're grateful for in the beginning of the meeting. Like, no, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm running the show here. It's my team. Yeah. Here we, here we go. And that was, <laughs> that was the turning point for me. And then I planned on leaving my job for a year. And really, when I think back, I'm like, I didn't plan anything for myself when I share this story. I planned on how I wanted my team to be, how I wanted to leave my employees, what impact did I want to leave? And I didn't really plan much out for myself other than that. Um, I left my office and there was a magnet that said leap and the net will appear. So I bought it and I put it on my refrigerator. I still have it there to this day. And I went and wrote Create Magic at Work and went to UC Berkeley executive coaching, stumbled into spiritual intelligence. And it was, it was my, it was meant for me. It just, the universe brought it to me and was like, here, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. I, I think that's the way it should be. I, I heard two things that really resonated with me. One is the, the, who's going to stop you. Like if you're in a job, you don't like, you try to bring playfulness to us nobody's going to stop you. They're all hoping somebody else does something interesting today too, because they're as bored as you are most of the time. Exactly. Uh, second, if you do happen to have a boss or an owner of a, a company that fires you because you're trying to, you know, invest in your employees or your people, that's not the right spot for you anyway. They just did you a favor. And, and then third for me, I think is, things seem to click that when you operate in this playful mindset or, or the magic, uh, magical space that, that you're talking about, I found that that's what actually draws people in the, the more we try to fit in, the more inauthentic we are and the more fake it seems and the more uh, people distrust it, but the more we try to become our authentic versions of ourselves. And, and if we're doing it with the right reasons, to be more impactful, to have more fun, to live a better life and not just, you know, for greed or, or, you know, scarcity based things, then that's what attracts people. Anyway, you, you find more opportunities that way, not less. And it's a really a, a counterintuitive thing <laughs> that once we set down all that baggage of trying to like claw our way, climb the ladder and, and, you know, push out other people or, or become uh, higher status. Once we set all that down, we get higher status. We get further up the ladder. We get more people helping us rather than trying to, to hold us back. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And it's not without lessons and obstacles and risk and, and all of those things. Um, yeah, the entrepreneurial journey has been interesting for me. 
but it's, and it's been filled with lessons. And I think the biggest lesson, which is for me, I'm, I'm loving that I'm on playful humans right now is, is to ensure that I am having fun and that I am not, and it's a constant check-in when you're on your own, because you, we have that, that hustle grind burnout programmed in us. If we came out of that, that system. I wanted to go back to that with you. Yeah. Yeah, because I totally agree with you. Even starting a business called Playful Humans for myself, I have to constantly remind yourself, myself, like, don't work hard at this. Like, don't force things. It's called Playful Humans. You can't like make this uh, this thing work. You got to let it be what it is. Uh, but the other part of that is you you said overcoming the the childhood programming, and I found mm-hmm. that to be really interesting. And I know you do some deeper work, and it's not all fun and, and playful, but Sometimes there are serious baggage, serious uh, mental scripts that we picked up in in childhood that are holding us back that, you know, our parents told us day after day we had to get up, punch the clock, like do our homework, complete checks. And we got a lot of approval and a lot of reinforcement over getting good grades, having the right answers, you know, um, yeah. Staying inside the lines, uh, yeah. I guess, is the best way to put it. So how do you help people or what would you recommend for somebody that's feeling like that's not serving them anymore? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on that. So first, you know, I'm a coach, not a therapist. So if you really are holding on to some trauma from your childhood, you know, perhaps taking a look at some deprogramming your nervous system with with some trauma with a trauma coach or some trauma work. Um, On the flip side of that, what I actually am really passionate about is ensuring because I'm very active on Instagram and social media. And there has become a a craze of trauma-informed coaches and people doing their trauma work and going to therapy and digging in deep and all of these things you cannot, you have to come up for air. Okay. Mm. You can't dive into the deep ocean of your psyche and stay there because what you're doing at that point is you're training your nervous system to stay there again. And that's why I love that we're talking about this because you have to make time for fun, play and enjoying this planet. You know, I'm a spiritual intelligence coach, so I see all of the deep inner work that people are doing, meditating for many hours at a time, you know, all of that stuff is great and healthy. When are you going to look up and take a look at the tree outside or go outside and enjoy what is around you for the small amount of time that you're here? And that is going to program your nervous system way more in some instances than some of these other things. So really think about what's right for you. Um, Yeah, sorry, I have to share. I'm on this. I just, I have clients that do values assessments with me and they prioritize what is really important to me right now. And I give them a list of words to choose from. And, And oftentimes they say, I didn't even know I could pick this as a value for myself. Adventure. Adventure can be one of my top three priorities Mm -hmm. for the year. I never even thought of that before. Yes, it can. Yeah. Uh, 
I love everything that you just said there. Two things that I was going to jump in on. One is um, I love that you said getting back to the positive. I think so much of what we see in our culture, even in the healing part that you were talking about, is getting people back to neutral. Like not having trauma is not the same as enjoying your life and feeling fulfilled and happy and and successful. Uh, And I think the same thing with meditation and mindfulness. Pausing is great. Uh, Getting in touch with what you're, you're feeling and thinking is awesome, but that's not the same as being engaged, being energetic, being joyful and getting through to that other side. So I think uh, for me, it's about experiencing it. And, and if you're, you do have a traumatic event or there's something you need to do, you got to go in there and feel it. You can't just hide it, but you got to work through that and let it go, right? Holding on to anything throughout the rest of your life is going to hold you back. Once you, you learn to kind of set that aside to get back to center, then you need to take those hard steps of moving forward. What do I actually want? What do I want to attract? What do I want to do? What story do I want to write rather than letting what happened to me write my story for me? I think all of that is really powerful. So one last question for you here um, and take this back into a happy space. What gives you the most fun? What do you really enjoy when you're having one of those moments of of playfulness or, or full engagement? What does it look like? Well, right now, I mean, through the different seasons of our lives, they shift right now. I'm mastering stand-up paddleboarding with my boyfriend and uh, we have a little Cavapoo puppy that we take with us. He wears a little life jacket and we take him out on the paddleboard and we just go to different lakes because we live where we live has quite a few lakes around us. So it's that type of getting outdoors, doing some sort of activity and movement um, that really fills me up right now. Yeah. Santa paddleboard is really fun. I've tried that, uh, over the last couple of years, once on the ocean, that was, uh, not fun. <laughs> I can uh, never do that. <laughs> just some cool things. Way too wavy. The other one inside the, the bay, a lot more fun. Yeah. You can, you can relax, <laughs> you can tool around. Uh, we got approached by dolphins and, and stuff. And those are oh, moments cool. where you really feel like something special is, is happening to you and you're fully present and engaged in play. I I love that. So speaking of which, would you like to play a game? Sure. All right. We're going to spin our wheel of games. There are 10 games that it could land on (laughs) and you got awkward questions. Awkward questions is uh, like the, would you rather game? Uh, So we're going to give you a difficult one and then you can make a a choice. Uh, Let's start with, um, if you discovered bloody hedge trimmers in the trunk of your boyfriend's car, uh, who would you speak to first, your boyfriend or the police? Oh, totally my boyfriend. Because uh, right. this is funny. This is funny. My boyfriend is an artist that makes life-size statues from sci-fi and horror movies. So if okay, there was so bloody... probably a pretty good ex- explanation. <laughs> like, yeah, it would probably be like from, yeah. I don't know, Jason or Freddie that he's building from. <laughs> yeah. So that's not unreasonable. I picked a good, right. good question for you. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you decide to become a performing artist and your uh, agent offers you two jobs. Which one would you accept? Dancing as a casino showgirl or miming at a local theater? Oh, this is a tough one for me. I want to do dancing. Yeah. I've never done something like that before. So let's, let's go with that and really 
before I, I think you know, they both feel like kinda <laughs> take guts, but I'm with you. Dancing sounds like more fun and uh, <laughs> interesting anyway. Uh, okay. Um, I got two left here for you. I'm going to say uh, we're going to go weird. Uh, how about this? Okay. If you lose your left arm in an accident, what would you prefer to have it replaced with? An arm with a metal claw that could grab things mm. or a non-functioning but really realistically looking prosthetic arm? I'm going to go with the claw. Function over form. Yeah. And then be a dancer smart. after that with the claw. The, with the claw? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. Well, you nailed it. You got uh, got through all three, so that means you win. Uh, congratulations! So we'll get you some applause there. Um, you win a free thirty second uh, commercial. Any asks or gifts for the audience? How can we help you? You help us. Obviously, we can go to createmagicatwork.net and, and learn more about you. But any final thoughts or, or things? That yeah, everything's on createmagicatwork.net. And I would love for you to check out my podcast, Create Magic at Work. So that's a really, I, you know what, this is timely because I just launched a three-part mini series with a bonus episode on magic activities you can do in the workplace. So really opportune time. And if you get a copy of my book on createmagicatwork.net, you get a free intention setting kit uh, shipped to you with it. And it's where the, what I talked about, where the paper flies up into the air, into the universe. So oh, super cool. I, uh, I like that. I, sorry. I think I forgot to mention the podcast earlier, but obviously that's if you're listening to this, you're listening to podcasts, go check out create magic at work, the podcast with Amy Lynn Durham, Amy, anything else, uh, that we missed or thoughts you want to share? Just thank you for having me on playful humans. This was super fun. And I hope we sent some magic to everyone today. Uh, me too if you want more information on playful humans you can go to playfulhumans.com there's a quiz there you can discover your playful personality style maybe some ideas for ways that you could play and and have more fun and flow and fulfillment in your life playfulhumans.com don't forget to share this episode with somebody that you think needs to hear it and put this stuff into play go out there try it have some fun and uh, until next time whatever you uh, are be a good one how about that? Good luck, everybody. Go play. Don't wait for them.